Well, hey, uh, how's it going? Try not this thing, um, where I, I don't know, you can kind of hear the music I'm listening to before we start the show. I don't know if this is going to sound great or sound terrible. I guess we'll find out. <clears throat> Made some adjustments there. Hopefully you can hear that now. Uh, listen to a little band called Cassiopeia from the 90s, they're really great, quite a bit. Anyways, how's everybody on? How's everybody doing? Glad you're here, welcome to another episode. Uh, let's see. I, uh, I've been really enjoying... Formula One preseason testing in Bahrain. It is it's great to have the cars back and this is going to be like the longest season in Formula One history. They're going from February to December this year, which is really, really great. Um, first race is this next weekend. I am so excited. Uh, the next weekend, this next weekend as I record this anyways. It's, uh, yeah, so we're in the middle of uh, preseason testing right now and Red Bull are looking like Red Bull and Everybody else is looking like they're also really fast and just excited to see how it goes. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about uh, Red Bull in the main show, but I just, yeah, I'm just so excited about it. I got the hoodie on, I got this hat from Tango. Shouts out to Tango. Shipping this baby in from the Netherlands for me. You're a legend. Anyways, um... Let's dive in, shall we? I don't really know what the after show is going to be today, but uh, I guess we'll find out together, won't we? <laughs> Here we go. Let's jump in. <coughs> oh, yeah, real great. <coughs> real great. I lied. Before I start the show, I want to light some incense, um, mostly because I like it. I have uh, I have a couple. My the all time favorite, the OG Nag Champa from India, I believe. Hopefully, I'm not a racist. Um, stuff is just smells great. This little nugget here is a. My box is falling apart, um, but this is called Incense of the West, and uh, I got it in, where did I get it? Joshua Tree. I got it in Joshua Tree, along with this little uh, this little plate for burning them on. So this is, instead of like, you know, whatever Nag Champa is made out of, this is uh, just like compressed pine shavings into these little like almost vitamin-sized tablets. So you literally just, you know, take some fire and uh, do this. And they burn for a little while, and they smell great. They say that there are 
healing properties or cleansing properties or calming properties of this kind of stuff. I can agree with the calming part for sure. Like just kind of something to change the whole environment in a very, <clears throat> very strong way. You just wave it around a bit till it gets just kind of red hot and smoking like that. Don't let it go. And just, uh, yeah, right up like that. And that will just smolder in the background the whole episode, I guess. kind of don't want it to be like on screen and it just fell over. I'll be right back. And since it is just wood and not like spices or anything, I mean, I guess it is kind of a spice in the same way that a dog champa probably uses some, you know, it's all organic stuff, but because it's pine, it just smells like a campfire and it's, uh, it's really nice. I enjoy it. So, uh, anyways, I'm going to take a, one more gardening break and then we'll, uh, we'll get this thing off the ground. Love you. Caleb cut that out. Some last second notes. Okay, for real this time, except for I feel like I need to take a gardening break again. Hi. All right. For real. For real. For real. This is like the fourth time I've I've tried to start this. I've been editing my notes for an hour, but nothing can stop me now. Love you, Patreon. Thanks for being here. What up? It's your boy. This is the show. I'll try that again. <laughs> What's up? It's me, Caleb. This is the show. Um, man, I just want to give a shout out to KJ for last week's episode. That was so much fun. It was not as bad to edit as she thought it was going to be. Uh, and I didn't make her sit here and edit it, <clears throat> even though I probably should have. I, uh, Caleb, cut that out. We'll start it again. <laughs> what up? It's me. Caleb, this is the show. Uh, my cat does this thing where he has been upstairs sleeping this whole entire time because it's been quiet down here. And as soon as he started, as soon as he heard me start talking, he came trotting down the stairs. So we'll see how long it is until he pops up on the desk over here next to me. 
and begins yelling at me for something. I probably forgot to feed them dinner. Yeah, I can see him rubbing his head on some furniture over there. I see you, Gadget. Anyways, um, how you doing? Turn myself up a little bit. That's probably a bad idea. Um, too many ums. Let's get it together. Thank you. If I start one more episode without a drink, like, this is basically empty. And it tastes disgusting. Gosh. I'm going until I until I need a drink because I've tried to start this episode six times. <clears throat> if you uh, watch the... See, there he is. Look at that. Like two minutes in. What I say? Uh, if you are on the Patreon and see the unedited version, you'll see that I tried to start this episode like six times. Anyways, um, big shout out to KJ for being on the show last week. That was... <laughs> So fun. I I don't usually watch my entire episode uh, through, but I watched that one a couple times because it was, I thought it was funny. And uh, I hope it is not completely un incomprehensible and that you were able to laugh along with us. That's just like really what I want the whole vibe of the show to be. Uh, you know, just hanging out with my friends. And I am not going to tolerate this cat, this cat. Uh, headbutting me in the arm right now. I love him to death. I have pet him so much today. I'm just not, sometimes I'm just over it. So if you allow me, again, I'm going to go get myself a drink. I'm going to feed the cats dinner and we are going to start this episode for real. Okay, I'm back. Cats have been fed. I even gave them treats. I have a beer sty of uh, water. Shouts out Bereavavant. That was the right. <laughs> that was the right move. Ah. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention about last week's show, the <clears throat> I made an oops, and I guess I could just go on from there. But uh, really, what happened was I, uh, I so the the other podcast area is over there, and um, I have just cables that like drape across the floor for the microphones to the little because everything plugs in like right here and I need to get some longer ones I need to make it a little more permanent I've got some fun little like <clears throat> this cool little adapter that'll like I need to get a um, a special internet, like an ethernet cable for it, but it's like I put a box over there and the box over here and I just do the one cable between the two boxes and it will allow me to plug in up to four microphones. So then I just need little mic like little cables out of the microphone to the little box in the floor over there. And then I could just run, I don't think it would work through, um, so when we finished the basement, I ran internet cables um, through all of the, like next to every power outlet along the wall. So we've got like a ton of them down here, like 10, uh, and they each have two, 
two internet plugins and they run all to a switch back there. But I don't think I can make that microphone thing work over that kind of thing. But like to just have to run like a big long wire back here around the back where nobody walks over to those chairs over there would be amazing. So, hey, <clears throat> thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Uh, anyways, last week, uh, KJ came over, we got set up, blah, blah, blah. I had, um, one of the cables for those microphones is shorter than the other. And what had happened was, what happened was, um, I had given the, I had one of the cables daisy chained, the shorter of the two daisy chain to another microphone cable and then plugged into my interface back here. Um, long story short, I gave that cable away. I need to get another one or another longer one or something. Um, so within the first 30 seconds of having KJ over, I like tripped over, <laughs> tripped over that cable because it was like short and like kind of like, you know, in the air a little bit from being short. And so I just changed it to a different input on the interface that's on the front because there's two on the front and then there's six on the back. Um, this is so boring. Uh, anyways, I changed it <clears throat> and then I didn't change in my software magic going on over here. Uh, what was supposed to like to, I didn't tell it what, what of these inputs to pay attention to. And so it recorded KJ's mic, but it didn't record mine. So, and I tried to kind of like balance it between the phone audio. Cause I used my phone to record everything. So l luckily it had captured audio. So that audio from last week that you hear, even though there are microphones in front of our faces is literally just the audio from my phone. Uh, thankfully picking it up. I tried to balance between the phone audio and then KJ's microphone and it just was like, <clears throat> it sounded too weird. It just wasn't, it, it would have been so much work to just, and so anyways, uh, I hope you still enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I hope that never happens again. Cause that's embarrassing. Like, almost didn't want to put the episode out embarrassing, but like we had so much fun and there's like no way we were going to be able to like re-record that again. Can you see me shaking? I'm like shaking my leg like crazy right now. Anyways. Uh, yeah. So that's that. My bad. I try not to let that happen. Uh, I got a couple shouts out to podcasting friends that don't, they, they don't know I exist, but you're my podcasting friends. Uh, first is to Mike Hurley at Relay FM. Uh, he is from the UK and flew to New York City for the launch of the Apple Vision Pro, which is really sweet. And at the launch of the Apple Vision Pro at the Fifth Avenue store in New York City, he met Tim Cook, which is, and Jaws, which is really, really cool. And like congrats that's just like top of the nerd list if you're that kind of nerd like and and tim cook possibly one of the most powerful people in the world i mean he's not a world leader but like i'm gonna turn that off right now give me this iphone camera turn off reactions holy crap ridiculous 
Um, yeah. So congrats, Mike on meeting Tim cook. That's like, <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, I'm at, um, Yes, I'm looking this up in real time. Caleb, you'll cut this out. Let's refine that a little more. There's seeing Keith and Meg. Meeting the night game and being blackout drunk. There's when Katie stole my phone. Her hair looks so good then. Uh, let's see. That's seeing you too. <clears throat> Uh, Caleb, you'll cut all that out. So, yeah, congrats to Mike on, uh, on meeting Tim Cook. That's so cool. Uh, I was, I was lucky enough to attend a, um, disrespectful burp. I was lucky enough to attend the opening of the new, Apple store on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. When I worked for the company, um, a coworker and I, we were the creative pros at two of the creative pros at Apple Woodland here in Michigan. And we decided to, we both had the day off serendipitously. And so we decided to just drive to Chicago that morning and attend the grand opening of the store. And Tim Cook was there. Angela Aarons was there. Uh, and we got to meet, uh, Zane Lowe, who is the director of Apple music and Eddie Q who is, I mean, Eddie Q is just a legend at Apple. So yeah, to even be in the same room as Tim cook and Angela at the time, like you could just feel the magic like emanating off of them. They're just those kind of people. And like, yeah, anyways, <clears throat> and then, so that didn't stop there for Mike Hurley though. And I, I'm a little jealous, but I'm more just like excited for him. And again, he'll never hear this. I don't know. Maybe I'll clip it and send it to him on Macedon. Mike, I'm just right. So anyways, he meets Tim Cook. A couple days later, he posts pictures of meeting Max Verstappen and the crew at Red Bull and had been invited to the launch in New York City of the RB20, this year's F1 car. 
And I just like, dude, what a week. This guy, what a year this guy is having. Just like the last calendar year, not even just like 2024. His 2024 has been pretty epic. I'm just, I don't know. It's kind of cool. I, It's cool to see somebody who is, I, he's roughly my age, but like he, he like has built his own empire his own business he's building another business off on the side with another partner and he's just like he's killing it and uh and he's not a jerk and he from what i can see from what i like see and hear of him he is who he is on the internet and in real life he's just you know who mike hurley is is who mike hurley is and he's a he's a hero of mine it'd be really cool to have him on this show. And like, he's a tech enthusiast. He's not a journalist. He works with a lot of journalists, but he's not a journalist. He's just like, he's an enthusiast. Just like I'm a really bit, like I'm an enthusiast about F1 and like, he's really an F1 too. And like, I don't know, whatever. Mike, if you ever hear this and you want to come on this show where like no one will ever hear it and you just want to like talk for a little bit, I don't know why you would, but like, it would change my life to just have you here and just be able to talk to you. So that'd be cool. Anyways, congrats, dude. You like, I'm so happy for you. You're not like, we don't even know each other, but I just like, man, that's so like, I made comments about it to my wife when I saw that he met Tim Cook and I made comments about to it, about it to a coworker about him, me like getting to go to the Red Bull launch. And they were just like, Oh yeah, cool. Like, I don't, I don't know. Mike Hurley and like John Roderick and Merlin and like, you know, just they have curated a culture on their podcast and have to a certain extent curated online personas that I want to live up to and I want to imitate. Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. I just think that you guys are the coolest and you're doing you're doing your thing right. So that's that. Anyways, um, speaking of John Roderick, he has decided he's going to start selling vintage menswear of his that he's collected on his eBay. Uh, you can go, I don't know, find that. I, I'll put the link in the show notes. I don't know why I'm advertising somebody else's eBay for him. But again, John seems like one of the coolest people in the world and I would love to meet him. And, um, anyways, there's nothing on it though. Like John, why did you start talking about selling stuff, but then there's never anything there or did I miss it? Did I just completely miss it already? And it's like, uh, they're gone. Cause I was really excited to buy some stuff. Anyways, um, <clears throat> let's move on to a bit of a main topic. Shall we? Now that the intro's out of the way. But bow, I think I would like to take a little bit and think out loud uh, about what my company is. If you'd allow me, I, I own a company named Jupiter sound LLC, Jupiter, like the planet. Uh, why? It's a great question. Uh, I was not by choice, except it kind of was. I, I don't know if I've fully told this story or not. So somewhere along the line back like high school or shortly thereafter, it became very clear to me that like music was something that I needed. Like I was, I was going to do. <clears throat> and something I'm going to talk a little bit 
about later is like this whole like it was very it started to become clear to me that like school like school wasn't going to be an option especially after i tried college two different colleges i tried a local community college and failed out and then like went away to college i've talked about that and failed out twice um so i'm gonna live this kind of like build the ship as you sail it lifestyle and I moved here 12 years ago and the dream has been to kind of get where I am right now in some way or another. It's, it's slightly different now. It is shifted and molded, but like the dream largely remains the same. And at some point I knew, Caleb, cut that out. So many burps this evening. At some point, I like in the back of my head, I always knew I was going to have to start a business, probably. Uh, I just never knew what I wanted to call it and like was really hung up on the identity of it. And that's mostly why I never really pulled the trigger. I, since I was in high school, have been trying to come up with some kind of like maybe brand for myself or a look for myself or like something, not like a, a, a look, but like a, a digital, like a, per, a persona, I guess you could call it. Like, how do I want, you know, a, a, a style? Um, wow. I'm all over the place. Yeah. So the, and it's, it kind of like ties in with like why songwriting is so daunting to me, or it's a similar idea. And then like, I would sit there and try to come up with like maybe a name or something for even like a music project or, you know, like any kind of just art name in general. I just like, I, not that I don't like my name, but it's not something that can be easily transformed into anything. There's not really many cool nicknames for Caleb. You know what I mean? Like there was nothing that stuck out about it. My middle name is nothing special. My last name is, isn't weird in a cool way. It's just kind of like, I don't, you know, so there was like nothing there to pull from. There was nothing obvious. Um, and so years have slipped by and I've been doing this work and blah, blah, blah. And it came to be, uh, I've told a little bit about this story, like how I, you know, so I like, I took over doing shows at St. Cecilia and that is when it was kind of like hoisted upon me to like, I needed to open a bank account that was separate from the family bank account here because it was money that was going to be for shows and blah, blah, blah. And like, <clears throat> so, okay, great. I've got to, I've got to start a business. I have to like, you know, just for like, even just like liability purposes and whatever. I don't want anyways. So we moved to this house a couple years ago and I started to familiarize myself with the neighborhood and started to familiarize myself with like the new quick ways to get to different places in town because we, uh, have lived, we had previously lived like pretty close to, um, like downtown Grand Rapids. We lived on the West side and, you know, like getting to places 
really anywhere in general wasn't very hard especially things that were like normal every day or multiple times a week kind of places like a gas station or the grocery store. Uh, those places were closer to us than they are now when we lived on the West side. But so yeah, learning the new ways around the neighborhood, blah, 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 and started taking these roads and driving around and started taking a road pretty frequently when I would go to the grocery store called Jupiter. And I have long been obsessed with space and then started, you know, just trying to like thinking through, I needed a name for this company and it's an audio company and just like, yeah, just started. I just kind of picked it. I was like, Jupiter's a cool planet. I can, I can play off of that. So, so that's the name. That's where the name Jupiter sound comes from, uh, basically. But like, you know, Jupiter's a, a big planet. And it has a bunch of different moons. And I don't know why I'm telling you that. I like, I, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I like the idea of theming something. If you can't tell, uh, I got to stop shaking my leg. I'm sorry. It's the way I'm sitting. Hopefully that's better. Uh, That's definitely going to be better. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Anyways, what was I saying? Yeah, so I named it Jupiter Sound. And, uh, yeah, I don't really, I guess I, 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 I struggle. I, I, I did. I, was this the King speech? Um, I struggle with, so it's like I own a business. Oh, well, what do you do? Oh, well, I provide audio for, but like, how do you, I don't know, dude, I guess I'm an, like, I'm, I'm an audio engineer and I lend my talents and gear where it's needed for, for anything. So like, but that's not very concise. How do you put that on a fucking business card? Right? Like, I guess it would be just like Caleb Denman, Jupiter Sound, live audio, studio recording, podcast recording, video, I guess, is what I would put on there. Video, I guess. <laughs> Here, Here's one thing about me that I, I just need, like if we're going to work together in general, I, I, man, I should have said this to Robbie the other day. Uh, shouts out Robbie. Dude, we're... Anyways, I can't talk about that. Not yet. Anyways, we're so close. A couple more days. Anyways, uh, by the time you hear this, I can talk about it probably. Uh, Robbie is the owner of Dogtown Studios. We've been hanging out. Anyways, we had a phone call. And I, But anyways, if we're going to work together, you need to know, like, I can be professional, but I will never not mess around. Like, there's going to be some kind of funny in there. There just is. Like, I'd, So my business cards, if and when I had them made for Jupiter Sound, will probably say live audio, studio recording, podcast recording and editing, and video, I guess, on it. Like, I'll, I'll say that on the internet. I'll commit to that. And don't feel like you need to make me business cards because I am way too... <clears throat> yikes don't feel like you need to make me business cards or like i'm way too picky 
I need to design them myself. I already have a design going up here that's been swirling around for three weeks. Like, it'll get there. It's just got a little more time in the oven up here. And there's other things in the queue, you know, like this show. So, yeah, Jupiter Sound is, I guess, just the... At its core, it's just a, a way to, like, keep track of and officially do the things that I've always been doing. I've, you know, random live sound crap all the time and whatever, you know, just just putting a name on it, I guess. And that was, like, I, I could have just put my name, right? Caleb Denman LLC or something, or Denman, like, but why not? Why not theme it? Why not make it a thing? I made logos. I have a website. I have a couple websites, jupitersound.live, jupitersound.studio. Um, you know, why not? Why not do the damn thing? Because I can, and I can make it look good. I think maybe that's part of maybe why people hesitate on it and on doing their own thing. But yeah, I don't know. I can do it. So why not do it? Right. That's how I feel. <laughs> uh, let's talk about motorsports. I will title this whole chapter motorsports. That way, if you want to skip over it, you can, I'm not going to spend forever on this. Um, but I'm going to talk about two different kinds of motorsports that I love very dearly. Uh, one that you hear me talk about quite a bit, Formula One, what's new. The other, though, is the NHRA because there's been some pretty <clears throat> fun stuff going on there. If you've never heard of the NHRA, they are the National Hot Rod Association. Uh, they are a kind of like the FIA, which governs over... Um, like Formula One and the World Endurance Championship and just like racing world, a lot of racing worldwide. The NHRA governs drag racing uh, in the United States, basically, at the, at like the high, like at the, the top level. There are other like junior levels or whatever, but like, yeah, I think maybe even the NHRA is over them also. They're just kind of the governing body that sets the rules, the regulations, they allow the events to happen, you know, safety, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So if you don't want to listen to me talk about that, you can skip this chapter. If you use a podcast player that doesn't support chapters or you're not watching on YouTube, sorry. Um, I promise I'm not going to make this boring. It's just, it's, there's just cool stuff going on. So in the NHRA, uh, I grew up going to drag races with my dad and my two brothers. Sometimes my mom would come, but uh, there was a, a drag strip outside of Chicago in Joliet, Illinois, which is like, I don't know, 45 minutes, maybe an hour away from where I grew up. Could be longer, but that's what it feels like to me in my head. Uh, and once or twice a year, the NHRA would come through and that track from the time it was built and once they really got the hang of it, that track, they started breaking records there very, very quickly. Cars were going very, very fast there. Um, and so we would go, you know, like at least once a year, uh, for, I mean, we probably went six or seven years in a row, maybe more. Like we'd go to a race for an entire weekend usually, or as many days as we could towards the end. It kind of got to be where it was just like, 
a little too expensive and we'd only go go for a day or maybe two but like uh, i remember camping there one weekend like for a whole weekend once which was really really sweet just taking a motorhome down there or like with the motorhome once and then we had like the pull behind trailer uh or you go down a tailgate you know like it's a football game or whatever but um so yeah we'd we'd go to drag races and in 2001 the top fuel dragsters, which if you've never seen, so they're like these really long, really long cars, like really long cars, thin, two wheels at the front, two small wheels at the front, two like big hot rod car wheels at the back, a big wing on it. And they run on these engines that are just like shaking themselves apart because they're running so with so much power, right? Uh, and the whole point is just like, how much power can we shove into this thing and how fast can we get it to go over the span of a quarter mile? And that's been what drag racing is. It started as like, Hey, I've got this souped up Chevy, you know, or back in the day and I've got this souped up Dodge and let's just see, you know, who can get a quarter of a mile the fastest. And it was an outlaw thing, right? Or, you know, it wasn't legal. That's for sure. Cops didn't like it. You're street racing, but Anyways, um, so in 2001, the top fuel dragsters and the funny cars, which run on the same engine, but are a smaller vehicle, I wouldn't call it a traditional car shape, but they are like, like in the early 2000s, a lot of them were based off the Mustang body style, just like, but, but very, very largely modified, mostly just in like paint and name similarity only. So, but look up a funny car if you don't know what they look like, uh, we so in 2001 these cars are approaching the speed barrier of 330 miles an hour and that is from zero to 330 miles an hour in the span of one quarter of a mile ludicrous absolutely ludicrous these cars go so fast and they're so powerful and like i have slight hearing damage in my left ear from not plugging my ears loud enough like two runs in a row um like hard like plugging my ears hard enough or wearing proper hearing protection while these runs were happening like i don't know i hated wearing earplugs and i just kind of got to a point where you just like do this while they run for four seconds right like as they pull up to the line and get staged and wait for the green light, you plug your ears, one, two, three, four, you watch them go by, it's done. No problem. But I have a little bit of damage in this year from not plugging one hard enough during a couple of runs. It is what it is, but it hasn't it hasn't like affected my, I don't know, I've, I compensate um, in real time. Smooth operator. And... Shortly before we went to the races in probably like June of 2001, in March, in Texas, I believe, um, this guy named Mike Dunn driving a top field dragster that was sponsored by the New York Yankees baseball team, of all people. And like, I think Matco Tools, like they were the title sponsors, but like how weird, right? A baseball team is the title sponsor of a hot rod team. Anyways, uh, he went 331 miles an hour, 331 point something miles an hour. And 
not only did he do it once, he did it twice, two runs in a row, slightly. And like the runs before that, he had like crept up to it, 328, 329. And this, this happened at a time. So in, in motorsports, the records are often broken during qualifying and qualifying is when these guys figure out what order they're going to start the race in on Sunday. A lot of motorsports, the main event, the main race is on Sunday. In drag racing, you spend Friday and Saturday doing qualifying runs and like practice runs and, you know, just like figuring the track out, figuring the car in out, like dialing the car in, figuring out what different setups and things do to, you know, to get a good run all leading up to Saturday night. And Saturday night is magic time for qualifying in almost all of motorsports because most of the time the conditions are perfect. It was nighttime. The conditions were perfect. Little uh, shout out to the flight, shout out to flight of the Concords. Oh my bell, dude! Ow, my foot! Ow, I stubbed my foot. Totally hit my foot on a chair over there, dude. That hurts so bad. Shout out to Flight of the Concords. Um, so yeah, this dude goes 331 miles an hour. And then they come, you know, they they come to Chicago and uh I, there's probably at my parents' house somewhere floating around still like a couple signed pieces of memorabilia from when this happened. Um, and so in the years following this, 330 miles an hour started becoming not just a thing that guys were chasing, but kind of like the norm, like 330, 333. And it kind of started to top out around there. And... um then guys started dying like because <laughs> they were going so fast and then trying to stop these cars or like going so fast. And then something, you know, they were, you know, cause they're pushing these cars to the breaking point, every run to the point that like in drag racing, those cars, they, so there's usually like four classes of cars that run. There are bikes, there's pro stock cars, they call them. So it's like, they start with a stock engine and just like soup them up like as much as they can with like, um, yeah, they're like, they're not, they're not stock cars, but they're not like a super crazy custom built engine either. If that makes sense. Uh, and then there's, so there's pro stock bikes, pro stock cars, funny car and top field dragster. Um, so the way it works and then there's like, I don't know what, like eight or 10 teams per class usually at every race. So, you know, a test day or a, a qualifying day can take hours and hours and hours. You're there from, you know, they'll start at 10 AM and you're there till 11 PM. Basically. Uh, it's a long day. So much fun though. I want to go anyways. Uh, Saturday night qualifying, these dudes start dying because they're going so fast on these car in these cars. And so then in 2008, the NHRA says, okay, 
We're not going a quarter mile anymore. Oh, I forgot to tell you this. So uh, there are four four classes of cars and so they do like so the top fuel so like funny car and top fuel they go they do their whole all 10 teams run blah 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 and they all take their cars back to the pit and they tear the engines down to nothing and they rebuild them from scratch and replace whatever parts need to be replaced because they were torn apart the last run or just you know disintegrate or are like the metal will literally only hold on for one run so I mean, that's the kind of power we're dealing with. So these dudes are, you know, running these cars to the ragged edge and they're exploding at the finish line or just like losing control at the end and guys start dying. So in 2008, the NHRA says, okay, no more quarter mile runs. We're knocking it back to an eighth of a mile, 660 feet or something like that. And... Then in 2012, the FIA said, okay, worldwide drag racing, no more quarter mile. It's an eighth of a mile for top fuel engines only. Pro stock and pro stock bikes still do the quarter mile because they can't get over, you know, they're at like F1 car speeds, the 200 mile an hour, 220 mile an hour kind of stuff. Which is still bonkers, dude, because you think about how fast 85 miles an hour feels or 80 miles an hour feels and do 200 plus or 300 plus anyways um so yeah in 2012 they yeah, yeah, yeah people start dying so from 2008 getting up to 300 miles an hour in 660 feet an eighth of a mile has been basically impossible literally 300 miles an hour these guys have been they've been getting there 270s 280s over 660 feet which is ludicrous i'm like guys are gonna start dying again i guarantee it um i don't want that to happen but it just is like this is the the byproduct of this kind of motorsports um i i'll cut that out um i'll leave i'll leave it in the full show it's on the Patreon. I'm not putting that on the public. Anyways, since 2008, no one has gone 300 miles an hour in a top fuel funny car or dragster. No one has gone 300 miles an hour until September of 2023, which was five months ago as I record this. In fact, five months and a day ago. Because it was September 23rd, 2023. As I record this, it's February 22nd, 2024. So NHRA just started again. Their season just started. They're in Florida right now. And this this last weekend with Theo Vaughn, uh, this guy, Bob Tasca III. So I just said that it took them from 2008 to 2023. And I'm bad at math, so... 23 minus 8, 15 years. Could have done that on my hands. Anyways, uh, 15 years it took them to figure out how to go 300 miles an hour again. In the last five months, Bob Tasca's team has figured out how to go 341.68 miles an hour. That means... Since the end of the season in like November 
to now, they found 41 miles an hour from December to February in the off season. Now, the next season development begins probably mid-season, so like sometime last summer, whatever, still. It took them 15 years to go three to find 300 miles an hour, and three months later, we're going 341 miles an hour. That, I... I like re- I don't remember where I was when I saw that but I just like I'm beside myself right now. I do not understand being able to go that fast. And they're doing it in 600 less than 700 feet. So, like, Caleb, cut that out. So, 700 feet is, like, 233 yards. So, they go the length, basically, of two football fields at 341 miles an hour. From zero, they travel the length of two football fields and in the span of that time at the end of that at the end of that which is actually this hand for you at the end of that they start at zero miles an hour and at the end they're going 341 miles an hour So, Formula One, we're back, baby. That's why I got the Red Bull hat on. That's why I got the Honda hoodie on. We're back, baby. Uh, Formula One, we're in Bahrain. They are in Bahrain. I don't know why I keep saying we. I've done it. I've never been that person with football or any other kind of sports. But Formula One, I just feel like I'm a part of it. (laughs) Anyways, uh, they are in Bahrain for testing. Uh, the FIA has rules on Formula One that they are not allowed to run actual cars like whenever they want. There are certain times. Uh, they're allowed a couple, like not even a couple. They're allowed like one day of a couple hours of running the car for the very first time, like within the last two weeks, and just like one day for like maybe an hour. So basically like prove that the thing will run. And then they go to Bahrain And they do this every year, the weekend before the season officially starts, and they allow them to put, so there are 10 teams in each car. Each team has two cars and two drivers. Well, two main drivers. They have multiple drivers, Um, reserve drivers, blah, blah, blah. And for preseason testing, they are allowed to bring one car and drive, drive it on the track and one driver 
at a time. You know, obviously one car, one driver. And they do it for three days and they have eight hours per day broken up into two four-hour section sessions, a morning session and an afternoon session with a nice lunch in between. So this is not, it's not broadcast on like ESPN or, you know, Sky TV or whatever, but if you are a subscriber to the Formula One uh, app like I am, hi, F1 TV, shouts out, because it's like 10 bucks a month for the season, and then you like just cancel it in the off season if you want, or you don't like me and you watch past seasons, like during the winter break, I watched 2021. I'm still not done with it yet, but like one of the most, like one of the best Formula One seasons in the history of Formula One, 2021. So I, I need to finish that. I've just been watching the races. Uh, anyways, preseason testing for, for 2024, there are like just so many cool things going on. Uh, I've got the return of a couple of like of an old team name. Uh, Alfa Romeo have changed themselves from Alfa Romeo back to their original like engine manufacturer Sauber, uh, and I think that's cool because I like the name Sauber better than I like Alfa Romeo, um, and Sauber just has like a really rich heritage with Formula One, so it's good to see them bring them back, uh, bring that name back. Even if their titles, their other title sponsors are weird, but you know, that's, that's sporting. Got to get money from somewhere. Uh, but the, the biggest talking point is that like every single car in the grid, nine of the 10 teams, their cars basically look like some iteration or some version of last year's Red Bull, the Red, the RB19. And the reason for that is because the RB19, like that Red Bull, were just unstoppable last season. Max won the championship, ran away with it. They ran away with the Constructors' Championship. And if Checo could fucking drive, he probably would have done better in general as well. But, like, that's a whole other basket of eggs. Sorry, Evie's rolling around. Side note. Nanit, the company that makes the camera that we have for her, finally made the app for the iPhone and the iPad available on the Mac. So I don't have to like log into their stupid web interface anymore and see this tiny little shitty version of Evie's camera from my computer. Um, I have the iPad app right here on my Mac. So shouts out to them. It's about time. That's only been a feature for like three years. So Formula One preseason testing, they do three days, eight hours, two, four hour sessions. It's completely covered by the F1 TV team. My TV crush, Laura Winter is back. She's my favorite commentator. Uh, and it's just great. It's good to have, it's good to have my sport back. It's good to like be able to sit down and work on editing and turn on the TV over there and just have it like going in the background. I, I absolutely love it. Man, racing is so cool. There's just so much engineering going. Anyway, so what I wanted to really talk about was I had this moment of panic that I didn't resume the recording. Anyways, uh, every car is basically some, like they've either taken pieces or just like their whole car is very obviously the Red Bull design. Uh, and 
some people are upset with so red bull have like a sister team a lot of teams have sister teams so like mercedes they have a a, a junior team if you will who is williams williams has always been mercedes junior uh they are now known simply as RB, um, but have been known as Alpha Tauri. We talk, I think I talked about this. Alpha Tauri, formerly Toro Rosso, formerly not Sauber. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not Will Buxton. Anyways, now they're RB, but like their car is so Red Bull. The RB19. This new RB car, who is the sister team to or the junior team of Red Bull, RB, Red Bull and RB. The RB car is so last year's Red Bull car that like people are kind of upset about it because they're like, anyways, but be upset about it. What are you going to do? They're allowed to do that. They stayed within the rules. You can share parts. Um, beer. The big thing that everybody, like, so those nine teams that are not Red Bull, we'll see next weekend how this is actually going to go, but, like, it really looks up in the air right now in terms of, like, who could be the front runner. Like, Ferrari looks like they've got a good car. Mercedes looks like they've got a good car. Williams looks like they have a good car. Sauber looks like they have a good car again. McLaren has a good car, obviously. They were scary at the end of last season. Um, Aston Martin looks like they, uh, they're they not doing what they did last season, which was scaring everybody with how good they are, but we'll see. But, like, so in the third year of this formula, of this version of Formula 1, like, it is... Those nine teams, it looks like it could be a year where, like, they all, like, mix it up for who's going to win the championship. It isn't going to just blatantly be Ferrari or blatantly be Mercedes, I don't think. I'm kind of hoping. I'm kind of hoping it's all jumbled up. Um, but I do think Red Bull's going to run away with it again. Not, not like, because I'm a Red Bull super fan or, like, you know, like, I can't do anything wrong. I want to talk about fandom here in a second. Um, but, like... Red Bull just have the design. They just, they're the team right now. And it's not going to be that way forever. It wasn't like, it was Mercedes before this. I've talked about that before. Like, Lewis Hamilton has six world championships and he won them all in Mercedes and he won them in a row. So, like, this is the way it works in Formula One. There's, like, eras or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like, teams just figure it out usually. And because a team figures it out, they attract the best talent for driving. So then you get a driver who, you know, just wins championships over and over and over. So there's two for Max. Three for Max? What am I wearing? Yeah, that's number two. I don't think it says it on here. Anyways... No, 21, 22, 23, three in a row. The three-peat for Max. Um, you know, it's it's just Red Bull's turn, finally. And Lewis thinks now that, like, Ferrari might be the ones who've got it in the next version of Formula. Like, the new Formula that we've switched to in 2026 with the all-electric cars. Like, you could literally, like, it could literally be, like, we don't hear from Red Bull again for a while, and it ends up being, you know... Lewis Hamilton seems to think it's Ferrari. So we'll see, uh, we'll see in 2026. Anyways, um, 
the thing that has got everybody like talking and just like, oh God, Red Bull again. And when I realized what was happening, that just made me go, oh hell yeah, is uh so the dude that designs or is like in charge of the dude who is the Johnny Ive of Red Bull is named Adrian Newey. Um, and the RB20, this year's Red Bull, its design might as well be the Mercedes design from last year that they abandoned and couldn't get right. The cars have, I have my little Mercedes, uh, this is the 2022 car. I've got George's stickers on it right now. Um, anyways, the cars have little pods on the side here. And on the real car, like that's where the air come, you know, it comes in here, cools the engine. You get a little air intake up here as well, but a lot of it and a lot of the aerodynamics and a lot of this, like where they're carving out speed are in these side pods here because they're really able to shape the air. They shape it around the engine, out the back of the car, but they can also then shape it underneath the car. And that's huge in this era of car. These cars are, they call it ground effects. Essentially, they get all of their speed and all of their traction from the air being forced under the car and basically like sucking it to the ground, if that makes sense. Which is why that whole like, manhole cover thing in Vegas last year was so like so crazy but also not kind of crazy because like yeah it damaged his car but like anyways anyways so these cars yeah, yeah, yeah the side pods assist in that's part of the aerodynamics that assist in creating enough airflow underneath the car to suck them down to the ground which is what they want Mercedes were messing with what has been called or nicknamed or whatever coined the zero pod design where those pods on the side of the car are either like, they're just so small or they like just almost don't exist. There is still kind of a bulbous shape there. And in fact, this model of the Mercedes is kind of the beginning of their zero pod design idea. Um, but it really kind of, it really took shape at the beginning of last season, 2023, and they abandoned it after like two, three races. Um, gosh, again, sorry, my feet's in my hoodie. All kinds of wardrobe malfunctions. So Mercedes was working on this like zero pod design. They could never get it right. They could never get the airflow right. They just like, they just abandoned it. And so the RB20 launches and everybody's looking at it and they're like, because the Red Bull photos were very, very dark intentionally. The car is a dark paint job. They didn't want you to see certain areas of the car intentionally. So everybody's looking at it and like, are the side pods really thin or is it the paint job? Or is it like, because the bottom half of the car is basically just all exposed carbon fiber. So it's just black. And the top half of the car is where they're like Red Bull Blue is and all the sponsor stickers and everything. But um, so then they do the reveal in New York City that Mike was at. And no, it's... It's the Mercedes zero pod design with like tweaks to it. 
So Adrian Newey, the Johnny Ive of Red Bull Design, is has taken Mercedes design. This is why I'm geeked about it and why I just went like, yes, let's go. Is because Adrian Newey looked at Mercedes design and went, no, like he, you were close. And he took it and he put it on the RB19 and like changed a couple things. There's this wild like vertical and horizontal tiny little slit just like ah, hats off to you sir well i mean numbers don't really like the time doesn't mean anything in preseason testing it's more about like how many laps can you go consistently it's about reliability in a brand new vehicle really which is is what it is because it's the first time these cars have ever been like actually been like driven in long form and so they're going through different fuel loads and blah 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 uh this is so boring man all i have to say is just like i'm so so geeked about this new red bull design because it's just, it's, 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 I don't know. It's just so cool to watch somebody or watch a team look at a design that so obviously failed and take it and potentially win a world championship with it. So if that's what ends up being the story of 2024, I, I'm here for it. Like, let's, like, it's not just Red Bull. Like, if the story is, it's not just Red Bull running away with it. It's Red Bull taking other people's designs, making that failed, making them better and running away with it. You can't be mad at that. You can't, you can't just, oh, yeah, it's just them winning again, blah, blah, blah. Like, so much effort there. There's so much effort there. Man. I um I just I want to go to a race. I want to go to a race so bad. Somebody get me into Miami. Somebody get me into Vegas. I don't even care. It doesn't need to be Vegas. It doesn't need to be Miami. Like take me to Canada. Take me to Texas. I just I want to go to a race or to a, like an F one event so bad. It, like let me go for a Friday. I don't even like just take me for a practice day. I don't even oh want to go. Anyways. Let's wrap up. Last topic. Um, to wrap it up today, I just got a couple things. One, I so I have another show. I think I've talked about it here. It's called the one about Godzilla movies. My friend Brian and I are watching through Godzilla movies, and it's video. But there's obviously multiple video takes, uh, or not takes, but like video angles. Like there is, there's him and there's me. So there's two. And I am editing it like what what I envision is the two of us side by side for a bulk of it. But then like when we get into a monologue section of like, you know, on this last episode, I talked about the different eras of Godzilla films and how they're named after emperors. And like, so I just it's just me talking for a while. And so instead of it just being a side by side, I'd cut to a full camera just like I am here right here. Don't be a and I figured out how to do multicam editing, but I can figure out how to do so what I ended up what I resorted to doing, and I think I'm doing it wrong, and what I would love help with or feedback on or something, if you know how to use DaVinci Resolve, what I'd love help figuring out how to do is 
take those two video feeds. What I ended up doing was making the side-by-side view and exporting that as a video. And then taking that and making a multi-cam clip out of that video and the two individual videos, and I'm going to edit from there. But I would love to be able to just start with the two, make that kind of like compound clip or whatever you want to call it, and just from there in DaVinci, save that timeline as something like, how do I just reference that timeline in my multicam? It's a nested timeline thing, right? But I don't know. I, I feel like I don't know what to Google. So can you help me? If you can help me, reach out. If you think you know somebody that could help me, send them this section of the podcast. I'll even make a little chapter out of it for you. Like, please, Caleb, remember to do that. Please, yeah. If you know anything about video editing, just reach out. Um, the other thing is, like, Caleb, cut that out. And I'd like to end today with just a gentle reminder that I heard from, it was probably TikTok, let's be honest. Um, someone on TikTok, but it like, it just sat right here with me and it felt good. And, uh, I want to share it with you. And if it doesn't feel good, maybe investigate that and find ways to make it good. But when you're worried that you're not where you're supposed to be, try to gently remind yourself, uh, that the only criteria for living is being alive and having a good time. Everything else is made up institutionalized crap that they want us they want us to compete in so that we're too busy to like notice what's really going on and to really be alive. So every time you're worried about not being where you're supposed to be, as long as you're completing those two things, you're doing a great job at being at having a life. You're doing a great job at having a life. As long as you are alive and you're trying to have a good time, you're doing enough to be alive. Let me say that one more time. Let that sit with you. Just as long as you are alive and you're trying to have a good time or trying to be a good person, as long as you're alive and just trying to be good and have good, let's make it real simple. As long as you're alive and are trying to have and be goodness, you are doing enough to be alive. You're doing enough to be worth being here. And I mean that. And I'm 35, and I didn't believe that when I was 34. So if I can do it, you can do it. I'm Caleb. This is the show. Love you. Bye. After show. You know how you know it's the after show? Because my hat's on backwards. So I've been living the 
build the ship as I sail it lifestyle. Um, and this isn't for the faint of heart is really all I have to say about it. At first glance, you may be like, well, Caleb, everybody's kind of building the ship as they sail it. And I would say that you're right to a certain extent. But I guess a better way of saying it is I didn't buy a pre-made kit. I didn't buy a model boat kit. I didn't buy a kit boat, whatever you want to call it. You know, you can buy like the Shelby GT like car as a kit. They don't actually make the car itself anymore, but somebody like recreates it and you can buy it and build it yourself in the near garage. That's not what I did for my life. And plenty of people do that for their life. And that is totally fine. I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum. But what I'm saying is I am not living that kind of build it as I sail it lifestyle. And I would argue that those people never built it as they sailed it. They built it and then they sailed it. And what do I mean by that? I mean, like, I got to stop drinking carbonated beverages while I record is what I mean. What I mean is like they, they take the, so like the great American dream is, is a kit car, is a kit boat. Uh, really good grades in school getting into the college that you really, really hope you get into getting good grades in college so that you earn this degree so that you land the job that you then clock in and out of every single day for the rest of your life. And you marry the girl and you have exactly three and a half children and you go to church every Sunday and you like the great American dream, right? You watch football with the boys every Sunday. You don't ever do the dishes. You like, that's a dream. And that's a kit that you can buy at the fucking store. And that's not what I chose. <clears throat> I am. So I would argue that those people you built, you know, they built that and now they're sailing it. And I have obviously chosen a different route. And I don't know today, like that show was so long that, Tonight's after show is going to be super long, but I love you. Thank you. I really do. Uh, but just like, this really isn't for the faint of heart because it never goes right. It never goes the way I want it to, or very seldom it does. Uh, and those victories are few and far between. Uh, and I guess like the biggest downside that I'm up against right now, especially with this podcast and like I talked about it on the on the main show of like editing video for the Godzilla show, like I am sometimes doing things because I am learning them as I do them. I didn't go to school for video editing. And in fact, until this generation of Mac computers and the Apple designed processors, the M1 or the M series, like the M1 running this Mac mini and the M2 running my MacBook air. Like until these chips existed, I despised video editing and did everything I could to stay away from it simply because of the amount of time that it took to really do anything. And I don't even mean just like, uh, exporting the video because that still takes time and that takes the time that it takes you know what i mean but like 
man, it's warm in here. So I was just checking out the house because I can see Evie's room is like 74. Uh, but like, what was I saying? Yeah, I'm not like, I. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like, I did everything I could to avoid video. Oh, it's not that bad in her room, I guess. It's a little out of range, but not as bad as it could be. Uh, I need to open a window upstairs. I had the oven uh, doing a little like self-clean cycle for three hours and it has heated the house up downstairs and her room's a little warm. Anyways, so because I've decided to give this video thing a whirl and I've finally found a piece of software that I understand the editing uh, of, I love DaVinci Resolve by Blackmagic, uh, I still am unfortunately having to do things three times, four times, five times. And it just, it's a barrier to entry that I really, really am trying to work through and just get over. But I like it. It sometimes is why the show is late. Just like, or like, yeah, why it's not button going up until Mondays or Tuesdays sometimes, because it just is like, I didn't do, like, I'm finally getting in a groove with this show, but like that Godzilla show, we put that first episode, I mean, did we even, I don't think I've even launched it yet. Uh, or if I have, it was a soft launch, but like, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just the second episode that we recorded two weeks ago. I have, I have done that edit that I was talking about on the main show. I've done that. Like I am on timeline number seven on this project and it's driving me bonkers because I want this show. Like I want to do this show, but I'm only going to do this stuff if it looks and sounds good. And that's a little bit why like the mess up with KJ kind of bugged me and I almost didn't put the show out because it like, it sounds okay. It's listenable, but it's not my standard that I want for myself. It's not something I'm proud to show a client. Although I guess I could spin it as like, Hey, look, I messed up, but I still found a way to recover. I still found a way to deliver content and it's listenable. So, you know, Trying to find the positive and everything, I guess, is a good way to look at it. But just, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just wanted to not complain, but talk, I guess, a second. A, a downside of living this, I'm um, building the ship as I sail it lifestyle is, is just being inefficient. And I hate being inefficient. Uh, and everything else in my life, not everything else. There are a couple things in my life that are extremely efficient and there's enough things that aren't, this is what I meant to say. There are enough things that aren't efficient in my life that for something that I am not getting any, like, I don't know, the, the reward from this is very, very different from all the other things that I'm inefficient at. And so I guess I'm just teaching myself to accept the reward, uh, for what it is and know that eventually my reward could potentially be greater uh, because I'm putting this work in now. So that's kind of fun. And, uh, the other thing that's kind of heavy or whatever you want to call it is, um, I not heavy, but just more real life stuff. So I obviously grew up in the church, worked for churches for a very long time. Uh, I have, like there are 
worship albums with my guitar parts on them that do not have my name attached to them. There are like, I've been in, I was in church for a long, 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 long time. Right. Grew up in it, started working and serving in church for a long, since I was like 12 or 13. I think I talked about that on a show, right? How I got into pro presenter or like that kind of stuff. Uh, And I, this last August or September, yeah, August, September, whatever it was, when I moved out, when we moved into that new building in DCC, I, I took a, what started as a sabbatical. And right away from the beginning of that sabbatical, if you're not familiar with church world, sabbatical is a, is a way of saying that someone in ministry or someone on staff at a church is taking a break and stepping away and not going to be performing their duties, you know, just kind of like taking a break. Uh, so I took a sabbatical from this job. And very soon after I started that sabbatical, I decided I'm never going back. I have been getting up early and arriving to church usually somewhere three hours before anybody else or three hours before service, hours before anybody else, prepping things during the week, all this kind of stuff, or playing guitar or something in a church on Sunday morning where I have to be there before the, you know, when or before the sun comes up since I moved here. 12 years ago, pretty consistently. I take a random Sundays off or touring or whatever, but like, you know, and it's largely because for the span of the 11 of those 12 years or 12 of the 12 years, whatever we're in now, I don't know, this is year 13, 13. Um, part of the reason I did it is because it was how I was surviving. These churches have paid me to be a guitar player or to be their sound guy or you know eventually worked my way into this director role that i had at dcc so i got out of it and i having a real weekend and having a sunday be a sunday and having a not having a sunday be monday because for a long, long, long time, Sunday might as well have been my Monday. And my weekend was Friday and Saturday, which for a long time meant that my weekend before I started at E16, which meant that my weekend was Saturday and my re and my work week ran Sunday to Friday. And I was prepping stuff on Saturday. So essentially I was working seven days a week in some capacity. And I minimized that for a long time. This isn't what this is about. I got out of church. Sam and I have been examining the idea of going back to church again now that we've, you know, I've had all these months off. She, we have never, as since we've been a couple, we have never gone to just church together. Um, it's always been that I'm on staff at a church or I'm playing guitar and she is the wife or the girlfriend that tags along and comes to one of the services or something. Right. But we have never just like shown up to church, been part of church, left and gone to lunch ever or whatever. You know what I mean? And now we have Evie. And so we've been discussing this and we've been discussing the idea. It's like, 
maybe not going back to DCC, finding another church and blah, blah, blah. And I also am starting now again to get the itch of like, I want to mix on Sunday mornings to keep that skill sharp and to keep developing that skill. Not that I don't get to do that with like St. Cecilia gigs or whatever, but just like the more I get to use it, the better. Right. So, and like, and I haven't been able to play guitar or bass or anything really in years, like years, because my role at DCC was, I was the only one doing it. And so this last Sunday, I, uh, I completed a, well, over the last week, I completed a job for a church, uh, through my business, that projector job. I finally finished that and it went great. I ended up having to rent fucking scaffolding and it was terrible. I hate like scaffolding. You have to like build it. It's not a lift. Couldn't get a lift in this fucking building. Um, title without the swear word. <clears throat> and so Sunday morning, I just like popped in there when the, you know, about the time that their rehearsal started to just like show the tech team or whatever, like, you know, Hey, your projector works and here's the stuff I changed and blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm sorry. I keep looking over here. I just like looking at my, like, I don't know why I keep checking the video. I, this is why I minimize it. This is why I usually just kind of get it. out of sight because then I have nothing to look at. It's so distracting for you as a watcher probably too to just like look at the side of my head. Should I look this way a little bit too so you know that there's the little ear there's there's the earring here. Um anyways after I wrapped up with them I I've been talking with my friend Keith about maybe hopping in at his church to run sound, play bass, whatever. But like, I like Keith and, and his wife, Meg, they're incredible people. And Sam used to work with Meg and they're really good friends. And like, you know, the idea of going to a new church where we already know some people is, is kind of a good feeling. And so I, uh, I just popped in there. I had time, their service hadn't started yet. And they're going to be on vacation for the next couple of weeks. So I just like took the opportunity. I was just like, I'm going to scoop in. I'm by myself. I don't have Evie or Sam. Like, let's just pop in and I'll stay for however long I can. And, you know, it was actually really great. I, I like, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, but I didn't hate it. And uh, here are some thoughts that I have had since then. That have actually kind of been paired with some thoughts that I've kind of whispered like hinted at in therapy or have just been kind of like bounced around in my head since like August. It is very, very interesting to me how parallel and similar church, the things that we are taught in church and how similar and parallel those things are to the things that we are taught in therapy about how to control our emotions and tap into who we really are and speak through and against negativity and darkness and bullshit and just, you know, like working through trauma and just all of those parallels and those things and how they're kind of just so close to each other. I said that to Sam once and she just kind of giggled and went like, yeah, isn't that cool? Like how cool, you know, how cool God is. And like, 
you know, the, the, but just, I don't think that was the point of me of what I was trying to get across. What I was trying to get across is like, it's interesting to me that so many of those things are taught at church that we need to engage with the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like, tapping into those things is mindfulness. Choosing to wake up in the morning and look around me and say, I'm going to choose love in everything today. I'm going to attempt to bring peace into every situation I'm in. I'm going to attempt to be always, always, always gentle with my daughter and with Sam. I'm going to attempt to every day be patient with my coworkers or with customers who drive me up the fucking wall. I'm going to try to be good to people every day in some little way just because I should and because it's good. Self-control. When somebody like really makes me upset, I'm not just going to... Sorry, this phone's over here buzzing. Go away. Just like all of that stuff that I'm taught in church that I have to engage with through the power of the Holy Spirit is actually mindfulness. Having to wake up every day and walk myself through when I get into situations with these dudes at these venues that just like make me want to scream and I'm in my head going, you're okay. You got this. You got, or like when I'm nervous that I've forgotten the piece of equipment or I'm doing my setup and I'm just like, Oh, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to get this done. And when I start being anxious and I just start talking to myself a little bit of just like, Hey dude, you got this. Hey, it's cool. Hey, you're all right. Take some breaths. That's very, very similar to what I've been taught in church of just like breathe in, focus on the Holy Spirit. And like even like speaking in tongues has been taught to me as a way to like, it's for you to realign yourself with Holy Spirit. And, 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 and like taking those deep breaths and centering and focusing and just whatever, like, Breathing, you know, speaking these words underneath your breath is kind of how I've been shown. Uh, sorry, I just heard the the oven is done. I'll be right back. Sorry, I'm the only one home. Sam's at girls' night with some friends. So, um, <clears throat> I just want to, anyways. Yeah, yeah, So, I guess what I'm saying is just like, What I've been noticing and what I've been thinking about is while we are taught a lot of those things, where church falls short is connecting the spiritual to the physical. And therapy 
is the connection to the physical, at least from what I found. Therapy has taught me to take words and situations and things and stop and pay attention to how they make my body feel. And I've begun healing traumas and healing triggers by just retraining my body. When I get into these situations, I'm recentering, I'm breathing, I'm being intentional with my thoughts, I'm being intentional with the words that I'm speaking to myself, I'm engaging in love, I'm engaging in joy, I'm engaging in peace, I'm engaging in patience, right? That's all mindfulness. Why doesn't church talk about that? Why, like, why did I have to be 35 in therapy and have almost killed myself and have to be on, like, and have to be kind of scared or, like, not scared, but, like, yeah, feel weird about telling people at church that I started antidepressants? Why? Why is that, like, how is medicine not spiritual? How is this stuff not helping me be, be like, I feel closer to Jesus because of my therapist than anything that I've experienced at church in the last 10 years. And maybe some of that is because I was working at the same time as trying to be in church and be spiritual. But like, I just, now that this has kind of been cracked open for me, I can one, never see church the same. But two, I've got to work through some feelings of anger, and I'm going to talk about this with my therapist tomorrow. Hannah, I missed you. We haven't seen each other in like three weeks. I, man, I can't wait to go to therapy. Uh, but like, I'm going to work through some anger of just like, why are we doing this to ourselves? with like being so disconnected from modern medicine and the and brain science in Christianity at least in the circles that I run in we are nobody is talking about the benefits of practicing mindfulness or the benefits of maybe like figuring out if you need to be on medication. In fact, I've had more people than I have fingers on two hands tell me, oh, you probably just need like a glass of water and to go outside and to pray harder. Then I have had people encourage me to go to a doctor and talk about my feelings with them because I can talk to the air and Jesus and the Holy Spirit all I want but I didn't get any real breakthrough until I had somebody to physically talk back to me and I thank Jesus every day for Hannah and I wish we'd met each other sooner and that she could have been my therapist for all these years but I'm just I'm so thankful for where I am now I'm so thankful to have her um I'm not saying I hate church or that I'm not a Christian. Like, obviously, I just, I'm wrestling with this, like, why are we doing this to ourselves? And why are we being so quick to, this is another tangent, but like, I, like when I bring up 
trauma that I've experienced in church to other Christians or other people who work in the church. Cause I've done that too. Like people that I work, like people that I've worked with side by side in a ministry or who are active in other ministries in this city. And I have voiced or shared experiences that have been either just traumatic or sad or left some kind of a mark on me. And the response has been, oh, uh, yeah, well, oh, you, you got hurt at church? Oh, what a human experience. Like, minimizing the trauma. Why, why are we doing that to ourselves? Why can't we stop and, like, just say, like, hey, Caleb, this was said to me. I'm not, but, like, you were doing too much and we're sorry. Why did it take me leaving for that to be said or to be acknowledged? Why did it take me leaving and having those hurts to like be spoken? Why can't we talk about this stuff out loud? Why can't there be sermons about it? Why can't there be sermons about how important therapy is and how spiritual therapy is because therapy has helped me pay attention to the Holy Spirit more because I'm paying to paying attention to myself better because the Holy Spirit's in here. He lives here. It lives here. Caleb cut that out. Holy Spirit lives here, right? So if I'm paying attention to me better, I'm paying attention to Holy Spirit better. Why aren't we why isn't that the sermon every week? You want to get people to come like love Jesus. Loving Jesus is going to teach you how to like just get rid of all of the this in here and like just know yourself. But no one's ever like no one's ever said it that way to me before. No one's ever told me that like focusing on Holy Spirit means focusing on like who I am in my core bringing that out and bearing that witness that because of him and because of Holy Spirit, I am able to engage in love, joy, peace, but I have to choose to be in that communion. But the only way I'm in that communion is if my head is right and my heart is right and there, and I'm paying attention to myself. The only way my heart gets right and the only way my head gets right is by paying attention to myself and sifting through these things and sifting through these things like just speaking it out loud into the air to God may work for some people and writing it down into a journal may work for some people. I don't think it works for me. I think my prayers are my therapy sessions. I think prayer is my therapy session with Hannah. Like, and I'd still give the, like, I still pray those things, but like, I just think we're not telling the whole story. I think it got lost somewhere. And I'm obviously really passionate about it. <laughs> and I didn't really know that I was. I'm just exploring this idea of like, our mental health should be, as Christians, our mental health should be talked about just as much as our spiritual health. And they should be more directly tied together. Our physical brains and the chemicals and that science should be more tied to Holy Spirit than it is. 
Man, um, I don't know. Do I have like a joke or something? Is there any way that I can make this funny? Uh, no, not really. I'm terrible at that kind of stuff. <laughs> Thanks for listening to almost two hours of me being a boring. Ugh. I love you. Bye.